Hello, America. It's time again for Uncle Sam Says, and today I'm going to tell you some awesome stories. I love telling these stories, especially these kind of stories. Now, last time I was with you, I told about some black American patriots during the, the American Revolution. And it's amazing to me how, how loyal and how, how good these patriots were for the Revolution. And I often wonder, could we have won the Revolution without it? Well, today I'm going to continue that. I've got some more stories here about the black patriots in the Revolution, and I think you're going to really like them. First, we're going to start with Prince Whipple. Now, he was born in 1756, and he lived until 1797. Prince Whipple, he'd been a part of the wealthy, and now this might have even been a royal African family. Uh, but when he was ten, he was sent by his family to America to get an education. Uh, boy, did he ever. <laughs> While he was on the voyage, now he'd already been paid by the family, but this captain thought that he'd get paid twice. He shanghaied that boy. <laughs> Treacherous captain. And he sold him into slavery in Baltimore. Now, he was bought by a New Hampshire ship captain, William Whipple. Now, he was a famous leader in that state. Uh, now, William Nell, he was the black historian that told a lot of these stories for us. Uh, he, he, he tells the story of Prince Whipple this, this way. As was customary, Prince took the surname of his owner, William Whipple, who would later represent New Hampshire by signing the Declaration of Independence. Now, when William Whipple joined the Revolution as a captain, Prince accompanied him and was in attendance to General Washington on Christmas night, 1776, for the legendary and arduous crossing of the Delaware River. <laughs> we told that story. You got that story uh, about the taking the Hessians uh, in New Jersey. You betcha. Now, that surprise attack following the crossing was a badly need victory for America and for Washington's sagging military reputation. In 1777, William Whipple, now this is the owner, he was promoted to Brigadier General and was ordered to drive the British General Burgoyne out of Vermont. On his way to the army, he told his servant, now this is the, the, the black servant, Prince, that if they should be called into action, he expected that he would behave like a man of courage and fight bravely for his country. Prince replied, Sir, I have no inducement to fight, but if I had my liberty, I would endeavor to defend it to the last drop of my blood. <laughs> the general, uh, he freed him on the spot. That, that's called manumitted, manumitted. <laughs> he, he freed the slave right there, right there, and Prince Whipple was a free man. And he did enter the service of America as a soldier during the Revolution, and is often identified in a number of early paintings in the war, including that of General Washington after crossing the Delaware. <laughs> but he, Prince didn't really cross the Delaware with Washington. Uh, he, he didn't do that. Even though he was painted in that boat, that famous painting, uh, he, he was painted as the man on the oar on, in the front of the boat where you see Washington standing up and, and crossing the Delaware. Anyway, he really didn't do that. But Whipple did uh, go over later. Uh, he was representative of thousands of black patriots who did fight for American independence, and, 
and the many African Americans did cross the Delaware with Washington. There were black patriots in that crossing. Now, Prince Whipple fought in the Battle of Saratoga and the Battle of Rhode Island, and he directly attended George Washington and the general staff throughout the Revolution. He was a, he was a soldier of the highest rank, and he was aide to the highest ranking soldiers. Now, you can imagine, it's just a little bit different uh, serving as a black man in the Revolutionary War. I mean, a lot of them were slaves. They were slaves. Some were free men. Uh, here we have Lemuel Haynes. Uh, <laughs> poor guy. He was abandoned by his parents when he was five months old. Now, he was taken in and apprenticed by the David Rose family. Uh, according to Haynes, uh, David Rose was a man of uh, singular piety. <laughs> I was taught the principles of religion. His wife treated me as though I was her own child. And, and Haynes was. Uh, he, he was given the opportunity for education. Now, that was rare for African Americans in that day. And he explains, I had the advantage of attending a common school equal with the other children. I was early taught to read. <laughs> and he also educated himself at night by reading in front of a fireplace. Now, he developed a lifelong love of the Bible and theology. And even as a youth, he frequently held services. Now, here's a black preacher preaching to white people during the Revolutionary War and in that time. He also memorized massive and lengthy portions of the Bible. Now, in 1774, when he turned 21 and, and he'd finished his tradesman apprenticeship, he enlisted as a Minuteman in the local Connecticut militia. Now, he wasn't actually part of the Battle of Lexington, but he did. He, he wrote a... I wish I had it here. Uh, he, he wrote a lengthy sermon. It was a ballad about that battle. Anyway, a week following that battle, Haynes and the Connecticut troops were part of the Siege of Boston. Haynes was also part of the military expedition against Fort Ticonderoga. And, and he, he worked with the Green Mountain Boys. That was under Ethan Allen. Haynes became an ardent admirer of George Washington and, and remained so throughout his life. In fact, Haynes regularly preached sermons on Washington's birthday and he was an active member of Washington's Benevolent Society. Now, after the Revolution, Haynes became a great preacher. He continued his studies in Latin, Greek, and theology and became the first African-American to be ordained by a mainstream Christian denomination, the Congregationalists, in 1785. And that was to pastor a white congregation in Connecticut. And then he was awarded an honorary master's degree that was by Middlebury College in 1804. Over his life, Haynes pastored several churches all over New England, Connecticut, Vermont, Massachusetts, New York, and, and they were often white congregations. <laughs> now, he, he died at the age of 80, and, and, and here's his epitaph. He, he wrote his own epitaph before he died. Here lies the dust of a poor, hell-deserving sinner who ventured into eternity, trusting wholly on the merits of Christ for salvation. In the full belief of the great doctrines he preached while on earth, he invites his children and all who read this to trust their eternal interest on the same foundation.
<laughs> Lemuel Haynes. Hey, thanks for listening, folks. I sure hope you like what I'm teaching you. If you do, then please go online to americantruthrestored.com and sign up for free. <laughs> that way you can get all these stories sent to you every week for free, plus you can learn about their plan for restoring America to the freedoms we once knew. They really need you to help them do it. We especially want you to join their Knees and Sleeves program that's bringing prayer back into the country. Their plan for restoring America is working. Join with them. They'll welcome you like family and show you how you can really make a difference. You can volunteer, or you can even work part-time or even full-time to earn you some genuine capitalist money. Go take a look. That's www.americantruthrestored.com. They're restoring America by teaching the truth. Until tomorrow, remember, you're learning the truth. Tell your friends, speak with boldness, and keep your powder dry. <laughs> <laughs>